Back to school. Back to school. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. <laughs> Little Billy Madison, why not? Hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our BNC studios here in lovely eastern indiana and it is back to school season which means we have to talk all things alternatives to the public schooling system to help me do that returning to the show john england welcome back to the brian nichols show thanks for having me on brian it's always a pleasure john great to have you back in the show looking forward to today's conversation now it was back in march we had you here on the program i think episode 707 somewhere in there ballpark uh but for the folks who maybe missed you back then because hey truth be told over the past few months we've been blowing up especially over on youtube surprisingly even though we are uh we're not monetized over there that's a conversation for a different day so john do us a favor reintroduce yourself here to the folks who are joining us for the first time in the program but also for the uh the old uh, listeners here in the audience yeah, John England. I'm the education policy analyst at the Libertas Institute. I'm a 14-year veteran of the public schools, teaching both the, in the elementary system and being a principal in the elementary system. And yeah, that's my background. Easy enough. Awesome, man. Well, let's dig into today's topic of conversation. That is, yes, back to school. Uh, yes, as Billy Madison. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Billy Madison. perfectly yeah, said. Um, so let's go through and outline, I guess, for today, Parents who they're like, you know what, maybe I don't want to send my kid back to not just school, but specifically the government school, the public school. They want to look at other options. So, John, let's set the stage here for the parents out there who maybe are a little lost in terms of what actually are options that are available for them. Let's start from the beginning. Where should they start looking and, and what are some of the questions they should be frankly asking? Yeah, and I think if you look at the news a little bit, you can see that. So the AP had an article that came out just this last week talking about chronic absenteeism and how millions millions of kids have missed weeks of school. In my local uh, news center here, we had an article talking about how kids are anxious about going back to school. And so obviously the kids want something different. And they have so many different options available to them. So one of the things that you should do very first thing as a parent is think about what are your values? What do you want from your, your education for your children? Do you want a religious education? Do you want something that teaches free market principles? Do you want to be heavily involved in their education? Or are you looking to outsource as much of it as possible? Those are the types of things you need to really be thinking about as a parent in order to really understand like what your options are. And then you can begin looking for those options beyond that. John, so when we're going through and we're talking about public school versus maybe not necessarily private school. Let's start, start with homeschool, right? I hear homeschool is an option brought up first as an alternative. It's the easiest one, I think, for some parents to go ahead and be like, yeah, let's go that route. But then I hear one of the main concerns slash objections I hear raised, the socialization aspect. Well, your kids aren't going to be able to engage in society like they're supposed to. Some of us say, well, yeah, that's the point. But besides that conversation, for the parents who actually take that concern as an actual legitimate concern. What would be your your response to them? 
You know, that's a really interesting argument, and I kind of laugh at it a little bit because as a former public school teacher, I actually thought a lot about that. I'm like, oh, yeah, the kids need to come. They need to be socialized. And then a couple of years ago, we started homeschooling our kids. And during that time, like, I realized my kids are way more social now than they were before. They're always heading out to, like, go play with friends. They can do it at natural times. It's like, hey, it's lunchtime. I'm going to go grab Johnny down the street who's also homeschooling and I can do it that way. And so they're involved in all kinds of like groups. Like my kids do a community theater and they make friends there. There are all kinds of socialization options. And I got to be honest, most homeschool parents, when they hear that, they just kind of roll their eyes a little bit and just realize like, nah, it's not really socialization. What it is is something different that happens in school because really kids only get a few minutes each day to actually be social. The rest of the time they're sitting in class and they're being taught by the teacher, usually in lecture form. So socialization is not something I worry about because you can go and you can find things and it's changing. Homeschool is changing. There are so many people that it used to be, you did it on your own, you did it in isolation, but there are so many people that are like doing co-ops, micro schools is a new thing. It's kind of this formalized step up from homeschooling. And so there are so many just new options out there that you don't even need to worry about the social aspect because the kids, they find ways to be social anyway. John, when when I hear the concerns raised by parents about this, it seems like it's a lot of it just because of their own personal experience, right? And, and this is kind of one of the, the things we talk about here in the show versus other political shows is more of we're, we're kind of sneaking in from a sales uh, perspective, right? And we're trying to help overcome objections that are embraced by the status quo. And, and you, you hear this you know, in any organization, the most dangerous words are, well, we've always done things this way. And you see a lot of parents still in that same mentality. And, and there are those, though, who I think especially after 2020, when all of a sudden all the kids were sent home and, and they were now accessing school through their laptops, but mom and dad were sitting in the corner doing their Zoom meetings as as well as the kids sitting in the kitchen doing their Zoom meetings. So all of a sudden, in between dad's meetings, he's hearing the stuff that the teacher's teaching in school and goes, what? My kid's learning what? What's that the teacher just said? Red flag raised. And, and that all of a sudden started this, I'd say snowball, more or less down the proverbial mountain towards getting more and more folks abandoning this government schooling system. Now, homeschool is one option. Private schools, charter schools, I hear that raise up as well. Talk to us about the pros and cons of private versus charter schools when you're comparing it to the public school, government school system. Yeah, and it's really a, a continuum, I would say. So on one side, you have the traditional public school compulsory. You have to be there. You're there five days a week from eight to three, usually maybe it's 730 to 230 or nine to four, something like that. But right in the middle of the day, and you have to be there five days a week, right? On the other hand, we already talked about homeschool. That's completely parent controlled. And you do it on your schedule. There's groups in something like Detroit, a group called Engage Detroit, where they're helping each other homeschool in low income and uh, single parent homes so they can do it at night when the parents are home or they can do it during the day if the parents work a night shift. All of that is possible in both of those spectrums, but there are a range in between. So you, have, you already mentioned the traditional public school. Then you have a charter school. These are still 
public schools, but they have a little bit more autonomy than they than the public schools do because they have their own board. The principal isn't just middle management. They are the director of the school and they can make decisions to change it for the better if they want to. Private schools, even more freedom going there. You can include religious texts. You can include all kinds of different topics that the parents want taught to their children. Uh, beyond that, you start getting into things like a hybrid school or micro schools. These are a little bit more formalized. Maybe you only go three days a week, like my kids do in one of the micro schools that they're attending. Maybe they're going four days a week or they're going half day and they're doing online in the afternoon. So many different options and a range of how much uh, involvement you want as a parent and how much you want to offload to the school system. Three days a week, four days a week. John, be careful. The truancy police is going to be coming <laughs> after you. How, how can that be? Right. And I guess this just kind of maybe speaks to the inefficiencies in the government slash public schooling system. I keep on emphasizing that because public schools are nothing more than government schools, if we're going to be honest. Um, but like when we go to the actual government public school systems, this seems to, again, be kind of a recurring theme, no? Yeah, it does seem to be this recurring theme. How can they learn in such a short amount of time? Well, we do it. When my wife and I were very surprised, hey, we could get school done in the morning right. every time, and we could we could then turn around and we can uh, – we can do fun things in the afternoon. Maybe we go on a field trip. Maybe we go explore a new uh, hike around here. We have beautiful mountains. All these things that are possible when you choose to not go into the uh, conformity that is the public system. How now for the parents maybe who are like, this sounds great, John, like a hey, wonderful, you, you're able to homeschool your kids. But like, how about for your average mom who's like, I have to work four jobs or three jobs in order to make things work in, in financial world. H how do you, I guess, get that person on board to see the benefit of taking a step away from, and, and I don't want to maybe label our, our teachers in the government schools as, uh, you know, what, well-compensated babysitters? But in many cases, that's kind of their role, especially for the younger grades. So, I mean, I guess, talk to me about that concern and what your uh, kind of overcoming that objection would look like. Yeah, and education innovators are out there and they're, they're addressing this problem specifically, right? Um, that is a real concern. There are those families. I grew up in a low-income home. My mom worked. Uh, we were a single-family home and she couldn't stay home and make sure I wasn't out you know, vandalizing something. So I had to go to a school. I had to in order to make sure that I was not causing trouble, right? And so some parents do need that, but there are options out there that are flexible. There's an amazing uh, model in Atlanta called Moonrise that uh, he, he calls it a co-learning space. And parents who maybe they can homeschool one or two days a week, and then he takes on the rest of it. And it can be this uh, daycare system where they're allowed to explore, or maybe it's a little bit more formalized. He has classes that the kids can choose to attend or not attend while they're there. And it, they can drop off as early as I think six or 7 a.m. And they can pick up as late as 8.30 or 9 p.m. In, on some instances. And so he's providing this amazing system for those parents specifically. He's making it this drop off. Hey, I want to be able to work at this time. I work from home. I need my kids out of the house because they're loud, right? kids get loud. I'm sure you know that as a new dad now. And uh, <laughs> they and but they're meeting those needs. There are so many education entrepreneurs. And honestly, most of them are former teachers. 
they're leaving the system because they don't want to be in the bureaucracy. They had these dreams of what they wanted school to look like. And then they got into public schools and they realized, hey, the system doesn't let me reach that amazing dream of helping all these kids. Babies, kids, yes, they, they, they are very loud at all hours of the day, all hours of the night, <laughs> all hours of the afternoon. Yes, so on and so forth. I say that as someone who has a four and a half going on five month old daughter. So uh, I'm right there. Yeah, John, <laughs> the kids are yeah. uh, loud uh, indeed. Now, now let's go through and kind of look at as you're looking at like micro schools. I, I've heard this idea raised up a couple you know times here on the podcast. I think we had uh, who was it? Oh my goodness, Carrie? Was it Carrie from yeah, uh, Carrie Fee? McDonald? Carrie She's McDonald been from on Fee. top of this across the nation. Yeah, she was on the show. That's right, and uh, we were digging through it in detail, and and it's really interesting to hear how micro schools really have taken off, especially. And to your point, you raised up here earlier from those teachers who left the public schools. They and and Corey D'Angelo, he's on the show, and he raises this up, and he's mentioned this. Uh, he goes around and, and helps pass school choice at a state level. How, in many cases, not only with the competition raised by having now an option in the private sector, does you you see that option giving more you know uh, of a salary increase for your teachers, but then by that very competition, it actually helps increase the salaries of the public school teachers. So it's a win-win across all boards. Competition raises all boats. So then I guess then it goes to my like, well, why is there opposition to this? And the main reason, I don't want to maybe necessarily put my opposition in one bucket, but it seems to be, and John, tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm off base here, but they don't like the idea of competition in this education space, not only from a maintaining the what's considered like, you know, acceptable thought, but also from a maintaining the control of this monopoly, right? It is more yeah, or less and, and a, monopoly. a monopoly would want to give up that power. Right. No one would. Right. Right. No one would want to give up that power. And so you have things like the teachers unions, you have the school boards associations, you have the superintendents associations. You have all these groups who are there to maintain the status quo. Why? Because the truth is, is like 80 to 90% of students still use public schools. That's just the truth. And it all comes down to dollars. They want the dollars. And if kids aren't in the school, then they don't get the dollars. And that is the, the real thing. But a teacher in Utah, we spend about $10,000 per student every year. So as a teacher, think about that. The average class size is 20 students. If I have actually the average class size is much higher than that. 20 students would be a dream for any teacher in the public system. They would love that. 20 students at $10,000, that's $200,000 a year that they could be making. But instead, they're making, you know, 50, 60, maybe 70,000 if they're towards the end of their career. And instead, they're not making that. All that's going to bureaucracy, it's going to uh, overhead costs, it's going to all these different things. And then you're turning around and they're having to ask the parents, hey, can you like go buy some glue sticks? We're out of glue sticks. Can you go buy some scissors? We're running out of scissors because the schools are wasting the money. There's all kinds of waste that happens in any government system. I'm not I'm not saying it's just the schools. I mean, I was in the military. There was waste in the military too. It just happens in any government system because there's no incentive to be efficient with the materials that you have. In fact, I was a uh, uh, Mises had a quote that I saw the other day. He said, uh, only the government could take a valuable commodity, commodity like paper 
and ruin it by adding ink. You know, it's just like, it's just how the government is. They just, they take whatever it is and they make it as inefficient, inefficient as they can. John, we're, uh, we're getting ready to go towards final thoughts, but before we get there, we got to go ahead and pay the bills. And today we're paying the bills with our own shop, which means not only do uh, folks go ahead to, uh, and, and get to get some awesome, awesome libertarian swag, but they're actually directly supporting the program and helping support independent libertarian business. Today I'm rocking my Freedom is Science shirt, and you can get that over on our shop at briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop, or just head to our homepage. Hit the home uh, homepage there at Brian Nichols Show. You can hit the shop button right there at the top. It'll redirect you to our proud partner at Proud Libertarian, where you can find, yes, this shirt, but we have so many other shirts there, like our Liberty Legend shirt. We have our, our Klaus Schwab. Now, that's what I call Tyranny shirt. I'm rocking our now, uh, Good Ideas Don't Require Force snapback. We have hoodies. We have bumper stickers. All that and more, but do yourself a favor when you head over to the shop, use code TBNS at checkout the Brian Nichols show, TBNS for 15% off your order. So uh, one more time, Show.com forward slash shop. Now let's go to the final thoughts here, John. I'll, I'll kick things off if you're cool with that. And I guess this just speaks to why I think we've seen such a, a schism take place over the past three years beyond COVID, right? Like I, I see a lot of the, the COVID stuff kind of expose beyond the, the there's the, you know, the, the, the relationships that were destroyed over like the folks who jumped on board with the COVID medical bandwagon narrative versus the folks who were like, um, what? Hold up, time out, can we slow down? And then they're like, no, take this now, this thing that I'm not going to say because I'm going to get banned on YouTube because I'm actually enjoying our, our views right now. Um, but like that was the conversation, right? It wasn't a matter of like having a respectful dialogue. And then that transcended into other areas as we started to have kind of more eyes into areas that maybe traditionally we weren't really focused on because all of a sudden we were all stuck in our homes for months, not being allowed to go outside and go partake, you know, spend time in the beach, which by the way, the gaslighting of folks who were like, nobody ever locked anybody down. I'm like, there are pictures of police officers arresting a dude at the beach who was by himself. Like that happened. Stop pretending it didn't just own it. But I know people don't want to talk about that. And Yet, and yet, we're at a point right now in 2023 as we head towards 2024, John, and audience, where I think this is, you know, this is going to be hopefully like kind of the, the, the actual moment we step forward. And I'm hoping it go, comes through with some type of political, um, political consequence at, at the voting booth. And I'm hoping we look at the school conversation and the parents who frankly were mobilized over the past three years as one of the main reasons that this becomes not just an issue that we're winning at a state level but becomes a national conversation that we can win. Not saying that the government from a national level should take over education. God, no. That's why we want to abolish the Department of Education. But rather that this becomes a winning talking point, something that Republican, Libertarian, conservative voters, independent voters, moderate voters will, will rally around the idea of school choice, the idea of educational independence and educational freedom. I rambled. I said a lot. John, that's my final thoughts. What do you have for us? I would just say this. If you are a parent and you're looking at your child's education and it doesn't match the greatness and potential that you know they have because you know your children better than anybody else. If it's not matching that potential and greatness that you have for your child that you know they have, then find something else. There is something out there that will match what you 
see in your child. I was reading an article today. A mother had has a son with autism. She chose a school that specializes in autism and he's thriving. He's thriving. And you can do that too for your children. Same thing for teachers. If the bureaucracy of the public system isn't matching what you wanted as a teacher, you can start your own classroom and you can make it work. Parents want it. There is a demand right now. The education system is in a state of disruption. And it now is the time to capitalize on that if you have any entrepreneurial spirit as a teacher. John England, the organization is the Libertas Institute. Where can folks go ahead and find you if they want to go ahead and continue the conversation? Yep, so you can find me at the Libertas Institute, libertas.org, or you can find me on Twitter. I am, unfortunately, way too, uh, I'm on Twitter way too often, uh, but you can find me at jengland1226. That's my handle there on uh, on the whole Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. I don't know. I can't even retweet something. I have to repost, repost. it now. I don't know. It's changing. <laughs> weird. Feels very, yeah. very, Um, I don't know. It's his business. He can do what he wants, but, you know. It's weird. It feels so corporate. Like tweeting was unique. Tweeting was fun. Yeah. Tweeting was like its own thing. And now like, you're just reposting. It's like, what are we? Reddit? Like, I don't know. It just feels yeah. feels kind of like this has been done before. And and I'm yeah. hoping he doesn't go down that path. But it looks like he is actually doing some interesting things, like trying to bring video content to the platform, which by the way, talk about a segue is where you can go ahead and find the entirety of today's episode. Yes, we air the entire episode video format on X on Twitter.com. So if you want to go ahead and check that out, well, go ahead and find me at B Nichols Liberty. I'll be tweeting out this episode, but I'll also be tagging John there as well. And also, if uh, you want to go ahead and follow the video version on your more, I guess, traditional platforms like YouTube, but also Rumble. And by the way, Ben Swan's independent media entity, Sovereign, S-O-V, R-E-N, we can go ahead and uh, check us out over there. But if you are over on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that like button. That actually helps the algos, believe it or not, like a lot. And then also hit that little subscribe button and notification bell so you miss a single time we go live. And by the way, we are a podcast. That's right. So whether it's YouTube music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you get your podcast from, Hit subscribe to The Brian Nichols Show, but also download all unplayed episodes. We have over 758 other episodes here of the program, one of them featuring John. Uh, and also uh, with that, we have uh, quite literally hundreds of guests here in the program who I guarantee from episode one to episode whatever one we have today will leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. But folks, that's all we have for you. With that being said, Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for John England. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Back to school, back to school.